This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already should know. Everybody, welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 7, Episode 24, with you guys on National Signing Day. With us today, Kyle Gauss, Dante Colinelli, and the pride of the first state of Delaware, Caden Steele, our recruiting uh, reporter, does a great job for us. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Well. A lot of enthusiasm. <laughs> a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah, I uh, I lost a, a piece of my tooth during Sam Drayton's press conference, so I'm I'm a little frazzled. I which think which rocked us rocked us in our group chat during the during the press conference. How did that happen again? You were chewing a piece of gum. I put a piece of gum in my mouth and I chewed and I heard a very loud crunch. And then I took the piece of gum out of my mouth and there was a piece of my tooth in my piece of gum. So that's, that's where I'm at. But you know what? We rally. I'm a football guy, you know, patch it up. I'm out here ready to go. You keep the original tooth or you say F it new tooth. Uh, you know what? I'm going to leave that to the professionals. Uh, you know, I gotta, I'm as the missing. only healthcare professional here. Okay. I'm telling well, you, what do you think? F that tooth. You need to go with All a right. gold tooth. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm certainly disappointed with the outcome of that stick of gum. That was not <laughs> that was not what I was going for. Not good. Caden, Kyle, your your teeth are intact. Thank I'm bad. Cool. I got like a bad bottom row teeth, but they're all all natural. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and they survived the Drayton signing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, uh, a lot of of good uh, recruiting stuff, National Signing Day stuff for you. We're, we are just fresh out of Stan Drayton's press conference where he gave us a pretty good scan for about you know 40 minutes or so uh about this uh other half we shouldn't even say other half because they only signed they signed three guys in december uh and then really filling out their class today with more signatures if you follow us uh on the site if you're a subscriber uh we gave you exactly what to expect uh from today including um you know a couple of the other a couple of the other players that that um that people maybe maybe weren't expecting like Antoine Santiago um, and uh, you know, a really a linebacker heavy class uh, if you're looking at it. And um, that's really kind of uh, an indication. One of the things that Stan Drayton talked about uh, at one point I asked him, I said, you really only took one offensive lineman in this class. And that was Jackson Pruitt who signed in December out of Cast Tech in Detroit. James Firmino from Houston did announce today that he's committing to Temple, but he didn't sign a letter of intent today. So he's going to enroll in May, as we understand it. And I asked Stan Drayton, I said, is that kind of an indication of how you feel about the offensive line? That you feel like you might have more depth there? And he was like, eh, not necessarily. But he did talk about um, a lot of the, the linebackers. And, you know, just, a, again, a linebacker-heavy group here, whether you're talking about London Hall, uh, Jacob Hollins, Darian Lewis from St. Francis had a great story about him near the the end of the presser uh, that we can share for you. Antoine Santiago, who I talked about, Trey Thomas, uh, Corey Yeoman, who signed in December. So, um, oh, we have Sam Cohn. Sam is actually hopping into the room here with us. So he's going to join us for a little bit here on the scoop. Uh, But again, a linebacker heavy class. Dante, we talked about this with you. You, You've taken readers into a kind of a deep dive of what DJ Elliott's scheme is is going to look like and wanted to throw that your way too. Uh, I get the sense that you kind of weren't surprised by how many linebackers they prioritized in this class based off what they want to do with their defense. Yeah. Uh, I was not surprised at all when I broke down DJ Elliott's defense. Um, it was a very linebacker focused group. They had four linebackers on the field. Uh, obviously the easiest way to explain it is that they're switching from a, you know, a primary, uh, three, four to more of a four, three, but it's a little bit more complicated than that, or sorry, switch. Yeah. They're switching that, right. They're going to a four, three, but it's a little bit more complicated than that, right? Like those two outside linebackers are going to have a lot more responsibility than just say the traditional linebackers will, um, in that set, they're going to be asked to cover a lot more. They're going to be asked to run with tight ends. They're going to be asked to play in space. They're not just going to be pure pass rush and short zone guys. They're going to have legitimate responsibilities farther than 10 yards down the field while also being asked to pass rush. So this was not a surprise for me. And if you look at a lot of these guys, right, we, we talk about linebackers generally, 
I don't think a lot of them project as inside guys. Maybe like Hollins is like an inside type linebacker guy. And like the rest of them are like long athletic kind of safety cornerback hybrids that they're hoping to develop into these modern day coverage linebackers. Right. You know, we talked, I think it was on the last show. Um, you know, we talked about, Oh, the Bubo designation is gone from the roster. Um, that is true, uh, but there's still going to be a primary coverage linebacker on the field at all times. They're not going to call it Bubo. It's going to be a little bit different, um, but it will serve relatively the same purpose. So I was not surprised, and it was really nice to hear uh, Stan Drayton kind of go into detail and pretty much just lay out exactly what I laid out in that story. It was like very weird for me to be like, this is what DJ Elliott's scheme was. And then Stan Drayton to be like, yes, this is what DJ Elliott's scheme is. And this is exactly what we were looking for. Like that was weird. So, um, but it was nice to have a coach go that in detail as far as what he was looking for with this specific, uh, specific position group. So honestly, I think they're going to have to recruit linebacker very heavily every year until they find the core group of guys, because that defense is not going to function without very, very good players at those spots who can cover, who can run, who can rush the passer. Clearly they did not feel like they were on the roster and the odds of recruiting are that you're not going to hit on all of these players. So I would expect linebacker, as long as DJ Elliott's the defensive coordinator and they're going to run this scheme to be a, a heavy emphasis, specifically the outside linebacker as opposed to the inside linebacker. Beyond that, you know, just an instant reaction to it. We can kind of go around the horn here. What did you guys think of Stan's availability? I mean, we'll have a couple of clips for you here in a second, but talked a lot about the linebackers. Kyle, what, what stood out to you from what Stan just uh, talked to us about? Um, he, he said that he lost 15 to 17 pounds or whatever, just, you know, do the stress and do to having to assemble a staff and then hit the whirlwind. Uh, recruiting and I think he said kind of early on exactly what any casual observer um, would realize which is hey we might have started off a little slow here and we struggled a little bit here but then we got a tailwind and then towards the end recruiting kind of started to, to, to kick off if you look at kind of just who came in for official visits yeah early on like they lost Travis Bates who ended up signing with Duke um, they lost uh, Jaden Oliver who ended up signing with Buffalo and then after that every single person that came in on the official visit they got at least that was reported. Um, so like they, they definitely seemed like they eventually hit their stride. They figured things out as far as the make the formula or the breakdown of the, the stat of the recruiting class. What stands out to me is if, if you wanted to just come in as Stan Drake and say, this is a complete rebuild, uh, which, you know, it is, it's a rebuild to say completely, I'm going to build this from the ground up. You were brought in 20 high school kids and gone from there. I think they did a good enough job here of identifying Look, linebacker is not a new position, but the way we're going to use it is new. We need to basically bring in like an entire depth chart worth of that position where they brought in some freshmen who they can develop, but they also brought in some guys that might be more plug and play. They also did that defensive back. They brought in a number of, of they brought in some freshmen, but they also brought in JUCO guys that were in transfers from South Carolina that can play immediately. So I think they did a good job maybe putting some bandages on some holes, but then also bring in younger guys that are, you probably won't see next year, but you might see two, three years down the road. I'm also curious. Uh, I know Rival says Reese Clark's a wide receiver. Um, he's always been recruited as a tight end. That was always the case even when Rod Carey, which means as of right now, they brought in no wide receivers in this class, which obviously can always change. But right now, no. Caden, you talked to a few of these guys. One of the guys that you talked to recently was Amar Grove, a guy that they added late. And, um, you know, Stan Drayton just now talked about the fact that you know, he thinks he can get up to what? 270 pounds i think he said so it again I, i've never seen him play live before but he just the story just reminds me of the type of guy that that temple has had success with in the past whether it's you know you know a muhammad wilkerson developing him uh i remember al golden telling me just seeing him walk around the building he's like trust me when i say it's like the guy's gonna play in the league he just has to put on I and mean, he's already strong he's gonna put on more weight or even a, a guy not the same position necessarily, like a Tahir Whitehead. The, the the success that they've had in New Jersey, he had 12 sacks. Um, you talked to him recently, said he was a, a great interview. What were your impressions of of, uh, of him, you know, just as a player and the conversation you guys had? If you could give people just a, a quick scan of that story, which is up on the site right now. Yeah, Zamar Grove came off to me as a pretty humble player. Obviously, you know, he could come in. He didn't have many offers. Uh, Temple, he said it was his only FPS offer. I know he had interest from Old Dominion and a few other programs, James Madison and Missouri. They all expressed interest. 
but you know, relatively you know, underrated player. I asked him if he had a chip on his shoulder, but he didn't really have that approach. He really believes, you know, Temple is the best fit for him. And that's kind of the takeaway. You know, his defensive line coach in high school, uh, the name is not ringing a bell for me right now. Uh, Nemo Theodore, I don't know how to say his exact, exact name. His D-line mm-hmm. coach, though, uh, played with Anton uh, Smith at Youngstown State. He originally was from, you know, played at Minnesota, transferred to Youngstown State, and uh, Anton Smith was his D-line coach. So he has that connection, and he definitely feels, you know, really comfortable, you know, being from Jersey, you know, going to Philly, staying you know, kind of close to home. And overall, he's a player that, you know, had a lot of success, you know, in the state of New Jersey that I'm surprised, you know, didn't get as many offers. But it seems like you said, like a player, the Temple, you know, likes the target, underrated guy who, you know, fits their scheme, even though he doesn't have the most, you know, stars, you know, as Stan Drayton said, they don't recruit stars, they recruit guys who fit their scheme. And he seems like a player who's all bought into Stan Drayton. So here's a clip from Caden's uh, interview uh, with Grove where he talks about um, his visit and uh, talking about that bond and that uh, brotherhood. Like, like, they were so connected with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they just had got there and just getting to know each other, which is pretty cool. And I just love how the players connected with each other. Like, they truly, like, like it was a real brotherhood. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's the most important part about it. And so uh, a little bit of that conversation there. Again, if you are an alscoop.com subscriber, you can check out uh, that story that Caden did on Zamar Grove. Also, the story he did on Elijah Darrowville. Um, Dante, of course, did a great job of, of summing up the class for us. And again, if you were checking the site after midnight last night, you had a whole scan of uh, everybody who was going to sign. Uh, another clip we wanted to play for you, I asked, um, I asked Stan Drayton about um, you know, one of the other guys that they got kind of, I guess you could say they got a lot of the guys late in the process here, as Kyle alluded to, um, Stan Drayton said, we kind of got a little bit of a slow start and then they really, uh, you know, picked up some steam and they lost out on a few guys early on then started getting guys like a London hall from, from Clearwater, Florida, uh, a couple of the impact transfers, like a Darvon Hubbard. Um, one of the guys that they got out of a really good program down in Baltimore is Darian Lewis out of St. Francis. And, uh, you know, I asked Stan about him and he, he started off by saying, well, he kind of been dropped by a, a, sh- a program like Washington. And they said, I stopped himself and said, I shouldn't say that, but he was kind of too late. Uh, but yeah, Lewis had taken an official visit uh, to Washington and I guess, you know, had the offer. I don't know if he got squeezed or if they just told him, Hey, we offered somebody else. And so in this clip, you'll hear here, um, I know it sounds trite. I know it sounds cliche, but again, if you're a temple football fan, you know that a lot of guys that have come to temple and have succeeded have kind of thrived off of that. Like, Hey, not as many power five schools wanted me. And some of the four-star guys are the guys that really haven't panned out. So here's Stan Drayton talking about Darian Lewis. Again, another linebacker that they're bringing in six two two twenty five, kind of has the size and the build. Um, he was a Baltimore Sun first team all Metro selection, uh, six sacks, five pass breakups, 88 tackles. Again, comes out of a really good program. Hey John, how'd you, how'd you get those stats from the Baltimore Sun? John, commitment to our subscribers, subscribe to the Baltimore Sun last night to get those stats. Exactly. That's exactly what I did. Wanted to <laughs> trust the reporting of the Baltimore Sun, picked up a subscription to the Baltimore Sun. Shout out to Javon, who is uh, not able to join us on the scoop today, but shout uh, out to season five of The Wire. Yes. Um, But anyway, uh, I I enjoyed this story. A a great anecdote. I was going to ask Stan and he kind of in in another question, I would have said, can you give me a good anecdote? Because a lot of times when you talk to head coaches about recruiting, what are some of the favorite stories that you have? And and here's Stan Drayton talking about how their visit with with Darian Lewis went. And uh, I think this is a cool little anecdote here that you guys can listen to. It's an interesting story about him. You know, we, we walked in there two weeks ago and um, Washington, oh, I should, probably shouldn't say that, but he was just dropped by uh, a major university and he sat down, uh, he had a trip, you know, to another institution, uh, scheduled the weekend that we brought him in, which is this past weekend. And this was last visit and he wasn't really comfortable in the status that he was in, you know? Um, and so when we, when we had a chance to sit down with him, I mean, literally, the kid was just bobbing back and forth. His knee was going up and down, and he just could not sit still. And in the process of all that, you see these big old broad shoulders, his big old head, you know, uh, 
a, a lower body that seems like it's pro ready. You know, you see these biceps popping through this little tight shirt that I'm sure he wore on purpose. You know, and uh, he just looked like physically he was ready to play. Like right now, like first ready. If if you just put a ball down in that meeting room and said go, he was going to go and do something violent. You know, and um, God, oh man, you, you, those guys are hard to find, right? You know, and uh, you know, so we turn the film on right there in front of him, and we see him competing against one of the top programs in America, in St. Thomas Aquinas from Fort Lauderdale, and he's going against a five-star left tackle that he is just taken to school. And, and the physicality and, and the violence that he had at the junction point was like a grown man, you know, and he just played with an unbelievable purpose. And then you see him again sitting next to you as he's watching that film, and he's shaking <laughs> all, all over the place. I mean, I, I'm not known to tell you, man. I mean, that that's the kind of person you want in your program. He loves the game of football. He's not going to do anything to mess up his opportunity, you know. He's mad at the world because he feels like the world just passed him by. And, uh, you know, as I did my research on a lot of Temple football players, there's a lot of people that have won single-digit numbers and gone onto the pros with that type of mindset. And, and don't be surprised if he falls right in line with that lineage. All right. So, again, we, we've got a ton of stuff if you check out the site. Um, again, uh, Dante's story on just a, a, a breakdown of the entire class. Uh, we'll have a story up by the time you guys listen to this podcast. Uh, you have some of the excerpts from uh, from the press conference from Stan Drayton. Um, a lot to digest there. Again, we'll have stuff for you um, throughout the day. I figured we could just go to the to the mailbag here because there's a lot of stuff here in the mailbag that we can get to that we would have uh, uh, talked about regardless, including you know all the always fun. Let's go around the horn and predict who we think is going to be great from this class, which is always just taking a little bit of a, a you know shot in the dark but we'll go to the mailbag here and we will talk you know a little bit of basketball too uh we are recording this before temple plays at ecu on wednesday night so we won't have the, the latest recap of the game but we'll talk a little bit about uh their four game losing streak coming to a halt down at smu uh, so we will talk a little hoops but more more football for you right now first mailbag question comes from the screen name mike tb 31 uh, after these signees, are, any, are there any areas where the team is still dangerously thin heading into the 2022 season? I, mean, I guess the short answer is that they're still, this is a rebuild. You know, they're kind of thin at every position, but um, Kyle, I'll, I'll start with you and then we'll work our way around the horn here. I mean, any position areas where you think they're dangerously thin? Yeah, I'll just take the, uh, the low-hanging fruit because Drayton talked about it. I think quarterback, they definitely still want to and are going to add another person. Um, I won the interesting quotes, which I don't know if, um, if it may be audio clip. If not, you can probably find it on a number of aspects. Is Drayton said, look, Dwan Mathis, Elijah Warner, Matt Duncan, all these guys, they're going to be competing for the starting job. So if you're viewing it as, hey, Dwan Mathis started like nine games last year, eight games last year, it's his gig. Doesn't appear like that's the case. I think they're going to take this spring ball, like Drayton said, to kind of go through it and say, hey, we like – Duncan and Mario Valente enough that we think that we can bring in another freshman scholarship quarterback, or are they going to say, Hey, we need somebody to, to step in and kind of push at the upper, upper levels. So we'll bring in a scholarship older guy. So I'll say quarterback. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, you know, we, to talk a little bit more about EJ Warner, obviously he has the name, the name recognition being the son of Kurt Warner. Um, you know, again, Caden did a great story on him that you can check out on the site as well uh, when he committed, but, you know, obviously every coach is going to say, I love my class. I like my class. But, um, yeah, he was asked at least two or three questions about him today. But um, here is a clip of Stan Drayton talking about EJ Warner, why they recruited him, what he likes about him. And again, it, it sure it sounds like coach speak on signing day, but he did. He raved about him. And here's a little bit of of why uh, Stan Drayton likes EJ Warner and what they saw in him and, and why they were excited to get him. Oh, well, I, I tell you, when you guys get a chance to get to know him, you know, still a little reserved, you know, um, you know, I hate to reference his, his, his dad because, I mean, his, his, this is his experience, right? But uh, very similar to that uh, of his dad was a little bit reserved, but has a little quiet little lion going on in him. You know what I mean? He's got this little chip on the shoulder, uh, had a negative uh, recruiting experience early on where, where people were, you know, saying that, 
you know, he was their guy and then he'll walk off of campus. And next thing you know, the next day they were taking another quarterback. So, you know, um, he has a chip on his shoulder. And, hey, man, that's, <laughs> that's a temple fit to me, you know. Um, but from a playing standpoint, the, the kid can deal it. I mean, he can really just – he can spin the ball, um, you know, really hard to evaluate the strength of his arm because he's so intelligent. He anticipates his throws. He's very accurate. Uh, he throws from different arm angles. He can throw off balance, you know. And when you take a guy that may be a little bit uh, uh, undersized from the prototypical standpoint of what people would normally look for at that position, you know, he's a guy who can extend the play, and, and, and you see him never flinch in those moments. So super excited about him. Uh, you get him on a board and you realize that he's been coached. You know, he's very, very intelligent. Uh, knows the game inside out, and he's a gym rat. I mean, uh, Coach Landorf better be ready to <laughs> spend some time in the office because he's going to definitely make do of his time for sure. You know, so I'm excited about the fact that he loves the game and he's exactly what you want from a mentality standpoint at that position. All right, so we've got quarterback as a position need where they're thin. Dante, I'll go to you. Another position that you think jumps out where you think they're they're thin and need more depth. And again, it's kind of all over the place, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it honestly depends on your definition of thin. Uh, if your definition of thin is like literal bodies, um, then they're not technically thin anywhere. But I would say that they're thin as far as like good players on the offensive line. Um, I think that that is a position that they need to continue to evaluate. And Stan Drayton said the same thing. So it's not like I'm I'm being overly out of pocket. Uh, John, I think you asked him about it and was like, you know, is that a reflection of you know, only getting one guy in and Jackson Pruitt, um, you know, is that a reflection of how you guys feel about that group? And he said, well, look, you know, we have, we have a lot of guys in that room right now. So we need to evaluate that room and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to trust my staff to develop them. And the word that he used was to make them functional. That was the word that Stan Drayton used. So, you know, again, that's not my word. That's his word. I'm that screams thin position group to me. So I'm going to go with the offensive line. I still think that they need to do a lot of work there, whether that is, portal whether that is in-house development whatever needs to happen at that spot um I, I think that's probably the thinnest position group on the team if we're going purely talent um Kyle's point about quarterback though is very valid I mean the lack of experience in that room is a little bit frightening maybe if you're a Temple fan so I, I think those are two good ones off the top and what do you think any position group that stands out to you where you think they're really thin yeah I'll kind of go off Kyle you know and we talk about the quarterbacks, who are the quarterbacks going to throw to? Obviously, you know, they lost Jaden Blue to the transfer portal, going to Virginia Tech, which is great for Jaden. Randall Jones, you know, he's finally gone from Temple. And now they got a mix of guy. You got Jose Barbone, who's flashed during his time at Temple, but we've never seen him fully step up, take on, you know, a bigger role than being that third or fourth guy. Mod Anderson Jr., we've seen the speed. We haven't seen that consistency where he's really developed a role in the offense. Cadis Reams, guys we've seen flashes of, but not enough consistency. And like Kyle mentioned, Reese Clark, you know, coming in as a tight end, they didn't grab a single wide receiver. So they're going to need these young guys to step up and, you know, whether they're betting on their potential, whether they see something on film that makes them think that one of these guys can step up and be that number one, number two wide receiver for whether it's Dewan Mathers or whether it's, you know, EJ Warner. It's going to be really important that this group, you know, some one or two of these guys really, you know, need to keep stepping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question here. This one came in from Twitter. The Twitter handle is uh, Pro Better Four. Two part question. Number one: Do you still think Temple will target another defensive tackle? And what is the update on Iverson Clement? He's not listed on the roster. Um, sure. I mean, I think they could. One of the things that Stan Drayton talked about today was, and kind of hinted at, is you know, uh, he essentially said, and I'm paraphrasing here. Look, when I came in. Uh, I talked about the importance of of recruiting high school players and building a culture here and not relying too, too much on the portal, but at the same time at this juncture kind of have to use it. So yes, uh, we talk a lot about how there will probably be more roster attrition after, after spring ball. So they could grab a guy in the portal late. And I think that defensive tackle could be, could be somebody. Kyle, what do you think? Real quick to consider with that is even if they don't, I mean, you get Zach Gill and Lance Nate Teray, who did not play at all last year, who are could only you could consider them portal additions of their own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll a point I'll give a a little plug to the the podcast that I do with Adam DeMichael. We had Adam Klein on uh, a couple weeks ago and we asked him, Adam put him on the spot and asked him for a breakout player. And he and he said Zach Gill, uh, as a guy that he thinks is going to be good. So we'll see. Uh, Iverson Clement. 
uh, Stan was asked about him today and uh, Stan said, essentially, he still got some, still got some work to do. Um, so we'll see, you know, I mean, it's not like Stan was pretty open and saying like, uh, and, and while we're on the subject, uh, he implied that the Adam Barry's still hanging in, even though Adam Barry had said, that he's entering the transfer portal. He kind of just said, Hey, we need everybody. Everybody's kind of working at stuff. So um, it sounds like they want Iverson Clement back, but you know, he said, I'm not really making it easy on anybody. And again, we'll, we'll have audio of the press conference for you that you can listen to. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but um, Iverson Clement not listed on the roster, but it sounds like he has, uh, has the ability uh, to come back. Uh, yeah. I, I, Iverson is back with the team. Um I, I was told. So he's back with the team, not on the official roster. Uh, but the quote that Stan gave kind of seemed like he has to get some academics things squared away, but like he's expected to be back for like spring practice and that he'll be in that backfield. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of almost another transfer portal ad right there, kind of on the same bill as Ture and Gill. Uh, mm-hmm. If Clement's able to come in and produce in that running back room. Look at Rod Carey still, still bearing fruit. <laughs> So, so at one point, Sam Cohen had hopped onto our Zoom and hopped off, but now Javon Edmonds is back with us. Always happy to to see his face. So, Javon, we're in the mailbag now, and and uh, we'll we'll have you join in for this question. This is the the second part of a mailbag question here. This is one of the fun ones again, where we get to just kind of just predict here and see what happens uh, of this recruiting class. Name two players on offense and defense who will be all AAC, All American Athletic Conference. Kyle, I'll, I'll start with you. We'll go then. We'll, we'll go around the horn. I'm getting a lot of exasperated looks, but even if they're not all conference, what well, maybe we'll amend this a little bit and say two guys on offense and two guys on defense that you think have a chance to be really good. It's only like a 16, 17 main class. And we have five people on here giving four names. Oh, there can be some overlap. We can agree. It doesn't have to. You don't have to be like, oh man, Kyle took my. Guy. I mean, I'm going to give one and one. That's as fine. my compromise. That's uh, I, think on offense, I, I think on offense, uh, Darvon Hubbard, I think is might be a plug and play guy in a position. They really need a running back. Edward Sadie showed flashes at time, but I think they need a different type of running back there. And you got an SEC caliber guy who had a lot of offers coming out of high school. Um, on the other side, my gut just kind of tells me Aaron Jones is going to be a little bit of a, like, not, I'm going to, I'm going to get made fun for this. It's going to be a little bit of a dude. I think, I don't know if he's like an NFL guy, but I think he has the body type for this type of defense to kind of kind of plug that middle a little bit. So I'll say Aaron Jones, three years from now, we're talking about being, a, at the very least, a, a pretty good rotational guy at defensive tackle. Dante, what do you think? You know what? On the offensive side, uh, I'll take Pruitt. I'll, I'll go back to the, the December class. He's technically a recruit, so I'm going to use that, and that'll open us up to use more names. He's he's powerful. This is a team that wants to run the ball. I think if you get him in there and you just let him maul dudes, I think he might be all right for you. And if you can develop him athletically, I think he can get to that, like, you know, all conference ceiling. But like, obviously, that is not a realistic expectation. And then I have a feeling I'm going to steal John's. I'm going to take Antoine Santiago on the other side of the ball for defense. Um, he is one of like the two players, I guess three, I did watch Pruitt. So one of the three players that I like really watched in depth on huddle. Um, he's really impressive. He is long as hell. He covers a lot of ground. Uh, he self-reported a four, five 40 at six, three, two Oh five. I don't, you know, self-reported. So give him an extra 0.5, 455, still good at that size. So I think he's got speed. I think he's got length. You're probably going to need to develop him a little bit, you know, as far as like reading, you know, offenses and where he needs to be. But like athletically speaking, I think he has that ceiling. And, you know, this question is asking us to predict, uh, you know, probably something that won't happen for another three, four years for some of these guys. So I'll take two guys with a high athletic ceiling. Why not? Caden, what do you think? And then we'll go to Javon. On offense, I'll probably go with the easy answer. I'll say EJ Warren, just because there is an opportunity, you know, to play quarterback at Temple. You know, Dewan Mathis, you know, started nine games last year, looked good at times, but you know, as Sam said today, seems like there is an opportunity in that room. Missed his junior season because of a broken fibula. Missed out on a lot of game fills. The reason why he probably you know doesn't have a you know as many offers as he wanted, you know, in his recruitment. You know, a little he's shorter, a you know, six foot. 
know, a smaller quarterback, but, you know, the way Stan Drayton was talking about the way he can sling it, his football IQ. He, when I interviewed him, he talked about how much he just loves studying football, working on the little thing, the accuracies of the game, going to his father, asking questions. I think he has the potential makeup. I'm not going to say he's going to be like his father as good of his father, but be good enough where he can be a solid starter for Temple, you know, in a season or two. And on, on the defensive end, I think I'm going to roll with Sam Martin Jr. You know, he was supposed to be, you know, play running back in high school and, and played safety. When I interviewed him, I remember just talking to him that, you know, Gabe Afante, who was on the previous staff, wanted him to be a running back. But, you know, this staff wants him to be a safety, but he was an electric running back in college, had a plethora of, you know, power five offers from various schools. And I think he has a chance because of his athleticism, because of his speed to be a really good safety for an area of this team. I don't think they necessarily have a guy, you know, he's a top guy back there. You lose MJ Griffin to the transfer portal who goes to Louisville. You lose Amir Tyler, the captain, the leader of the defense. He has an opportunity to come in, you know, within a year or two and be a difference maker on that back end. Javon, what do you think? A couple guys on offense or maybe one guy on offense, one guy on defense that, uh, Put on your prediction hat here a couple years down the road. We'll say, yeah, we're, we're talking about that guy being a difference maker. Just because I'm interested in him, I'll go Reese Clark, the tight end. I want to see how he turns out. Um, I, I think if he puts some weight on, you know, the tight end room right now, you know, Jordan Smith had his day, but I, it, it's not going to be too hard to grab minutes at that spot. So uh, I, I think Clark at tight end is a little – a, a solid prediction. And then on the defensive end, I'll, I'll be a homer. Darian Lewis, uh, I think you got him on that front seven. Uh, you know, Stan said it himself in that press conference, when you watch that film against St. Thomas Aquinas, I watched that game live. Kid can play. So uh, I, I'll be a homer and, and show some some love to Baltimore, uh, go with the St. Francis product. And that school just doing great things. Up here is Mia Davis is going to break the women's basketball scoring record tonight. As the evidence on the football team as well. Yeah, let me. I mean, as somebody who who is from Baltimore, I mean that was traditionally again, I mean, depending on how far you, back you want to go, that was a big basketball school. Not that it, it still not, is, still is. But what, like, how have you seen their football program develop to where they're starting to crank out? I mean, like he's one of several good players in that program. Yeah, I, I, St. Francis football. Um, it's like poly basketball where it just it took the right coaching staff to come in, get dedicated to the program, recruit guys. Um, and St. Francis had a better advantage because they are a Catholic school, so you got a bigger budget and you can put more resources into guys. So it was just the right coaching staff came in, dedicated itself to football, said, Hey, we're not going to be known as just a basketball school anymore. And now you see St. Francis on ESPN two, three Friday nights out of the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, teams won't play them anymore yeah. because they, yeah. Yeah, they've just committed to recruiting and stuff like that. They had so many people drop off their schedule. But, yeah, that's part of thing. I'm going to go real quick. I, I, I feel like Zamar Grove's story, I, I think he's just going to be just gut feeling like, yeah, that's a, that's a guy they grabbed late in the process from Jersey, has the measurables. Um and a guy that they can develop on the edge there would stand out on, on defense. Yes, Dante did steal Santiago from me. And uh yeah, I mean, there aren't too many, there aren't too many players to choose from on offense. So I mean, if if, if Darvon Hubbard, like Kyle said, was a guy that was just just waiting for some snaps and didn't get him at AM right away. I mean, there's yeah, it's not to say that that you know, a guy like Ed Sadie or um some of the other backs couldn't just get the right opportunity, the right coaching or whatever, but there, there are snaps there to be had. So maybe Hubbard is, is the guy there on offense. Um, jumping ahead here in the mailbag, uh, another one on Twitter from Owls72. At face value, how does this class rank compared to Carrie's classes? It appears to me that it's an upgrade. Go Owls. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, Kyle, I see you kind of gesturing there. What, what, do, you, what do you think? It's hard to yeah. gauge. I mean, obviously, like, look, because, like, obviously the Rod Carey error didn't work out. So, like, there's probably failures there. But, like, Carey over-relied on the transfer portal last year because he needed to, because he needed to throw him Mary to try to save his tenure. Anytime you bring in a new coach, the first recruiting class is usually a bit of a wash because they're kind of just up against it. They're running on empty for four weeks trying to put together a class. Then that second class is usually, like, their – 
barometer class. And then that third class becomes a watch because everyone decommits when you leave, like if wherever the final class is. So I think it's kind of hard to compare. Rivals doesn't really uh, take into consideration transfer additions like some other sites do. But I think they did a good job. If you're uh, an offer watcher, three of their last four offers had or commits had power five offers. Um, three of their first four commits had power five offers. Even the kids that didn't have power five offers had like that level of offers, like AAC level. So I think it's a pretty good class. Um, we'll have a better idea when the five unranked players get ranked by rivals. Yeah. Anybody else have any strong thoughts on this one? I mean, I think it's hard to even like, obviously like, right. Rod Carey was not a successful head coach, but like even some of the players from like last year's recruiting class might end up being good for these coaches. And like, you know, obviously they develop them, you know, they deserve the credit for that. But like, again, like overlapping recruiting classes and like trying to judge individual classes, especially to school like Temple that's had so many head coaches recently. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit difficult, honestly. So like, I don't really know where to draw the comparison here. So I'll kind of err on the side, the same side as Kyle to just to say like, looking at the metrics that you can look at, given the time constraints that this staff dealt with, this feels like a, they did a pretty good job, you know, just looking at what we have and understanding that they signed three dudes in the early signing period in December. Stan Drayton was not even the head coach of the football team yet. Uh, he comes in I, they got 12 guys today, I think in total. Right. So like, I don't know. I think that's a pretty good job given the time constraints and what they had to work with and hiring a staff and, um, you know, dealing with the transfer portal. So we'll see obviously, but it, it's way too early to even compare or tell it's, it's a very volatile process. Yeah. I think we can use Drayton's words best here. You know, the stars don't determine everything. And I think, you know, that's what spring practice is going to be for. That's what spring practice is for in college football. You want to see where you're at before the season. That's what the spring is for. So mm-hmm. all of my judgment, I'm saving it until after spring ball. And that's what Stan's doing with the offensive line right now. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. Real quick, that that quote from Stan where he talked about, like, um, the difference between recruiting a Temple and recruiting a Texas is, like, Texas, like, they need their five stars, they need their four stars. Temple, you're kind of allowed to, like, take guys and build them up. That was the exact sentiment that Jeff Collins relayed a lot at Temple, yeah. uh, talking to people. is like, the one thing, like, Temple has a lot of flaws, a lot of blemishes, but one of the good things about Temple is, like, you can kind of take these flyers on kids and hope that, like, you can project them and build them up and not necessarily have to worry about pissing off a high school or winning the signing day. You have to, you have to, because I mean, Al Golden said it years ago, you cannot, you can't use the herd mentality to recruit at Temple and say, Oh, Alabama LSU offered this kid. We're going to offer him now. I I, I think we kind of talked about this. I feel like I was talking to somebody about this the other day. They are going, Kate, maybe it was Kate and I were talking about this. You know, the, you will see them offer, some highly touted guys. And what that does is it gets you in the door a couple, you know, a couple years in advance. Now that five-star kid may not go to temple, but maybe you get him in for a junior day, you get him in for a camp. And he says, Hey, I really like temple. I'm not going to go there. I, you know, Bama jumped in late, like a Christian Barrymore or something. I flip or whatever, but I had a good experience at temple. You should go there. You should go there. And I think Stan Drayton knows that that's just not how that's not how people win here. Talking about the offensive line, Javon segues nicely into, I'm going to combine a couple of questions here. We've got one from Brandon Bobrick from the Temple Football Facebook group, and then Berkshire Al from our message board. Um, they're asking here, outside of Jackson Pruitt, it doesn't look like this class addresses the offensive line. Can you give your thoughts on where they think they stand with the offensive line? Berkshire Al, similar thing. Seems like less offensive line signees than expected. This feels like Coach Wiesingham thinks he can coach up our current players. What do you all think? Talked about that at the outset of the show you know, Stan Drayton was like, well, not so fast. You know, given the scholarship numbers, there's only so much we can do. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He did mention Chris Wiesahan, you know, being able to come in, having familiarity with the, with the program. What do you guys think? You think that was them kind of meeting in the middle where, where Stan looks at Wies and says, Hey, I, I got to get DJ Elliott, some of the linebackers he needs Chris, you worked with a couple of these guys. I trust your ability. I'm going to let you kind of just roll with what we have here. Maybe we'll go heavier on the offensive line in, in 23. You think that was kind of like their their approach here? I think, honestly, like the way that I took away from what Stan was saying is that like 
they looked at the offensive line options and then they looked at the linebacker options and they realized that the linebacker options were probably better than the offensive line options that they were going to get in the recruiting process and in the portal. Um, I think we mentioned it at the top of the show, like they're expecting Faminu to a role in May, a transfer from Houston. He didn't yes. really play there. So like, I don't really know what to think about him. He's a London guy, a PPI guy, Brandon Collier. So like, I, I don't know what to think about him, but like, that is another line, you know? So it's not like they're not trying to add guys, but the way that like Drayton was talking is they just kind of felt comfortable. Like, you know what, we're going to trust our staff to develop these guys. We don't really like what we see in the portal. We don't really like what we see with some of the recruits that we think we can go after. So, you know what, we're going to, I, they took the approach that we take in the NFL draft community of like BPA. Like they went into this and they were like, you know what, these linebackers are good. We're going to go recruit them. We're going to go get them. We need them. And we're not going to force ourselves to recruit an offensive line just because we've had a, a lackluster offensive line performance the past two years. So honestly, if you're a Temple fan, like I know it's easy to look at this class and be like, they completely ne- neglected the line, but I, I think that their process in that is like sound, right? Like it's sound process. Like you don't want them just wasting scholarship on offensive linemen because, you know, if they can't play at this level, they can't play at this level. Uh, and I, I think that would be far worse than, you know, investing a, a couple more scholarships in, in a linebacker group. Real, real quick to hop on that. If coming into this, if you're a roster guy, Temple had four upperclassmen scholarship offensive linemen and one offense upperclassmen linebacker on scholarship. So like there was no, oh, well, next year we can bring in these linebackers. You needed to bring these linebackers in now and hope that you can get older. So they brought in upperclassmen, Jacob Collins, and they bring in these younger guys. Offensive line, they'll have like three scholarships to kind of mess with going forward. One more uh, mailbag question here before we close things out with uh, a little bit of hoops talk. Um, this one comes from our uh, football message board from Phi Cap Al Three is the screen name. Would love to hear you uh, how you think our overall offensive scheme will sort out for next year. We have two former, formerly highly rated running back recruits on the roster now with Iverson Clement and Hubbard. With Drayton specializing in, our, in running backs coaching, do you see these two leading the way in an offense predicated on the run and setting up Mathis for playoffs and opportunities down the field? Uh, also, Hubbard had some ridiculous offers coming out of high school. What has led him to our front door? Well, take the first part of that question first. Uh, again, we talked about this a few minutes ago. Iverson Clement seems like, you know, he's he's back, kind of has to prove himself. Dante has a good source on that. And, and Drayton talked about him today and just saying he's got some got some work to do. Do we think and, and Kate made a good point? I mean, you, you're losing Jaden Blue. The the receiver room is is a little unproven. We've seen, you know, Ahmad Anderson on some of the jet sweep stuff. We haven't really seen a ton of consistency with them downfield. Um, so they don't have a, a super proven receiver room. Do we think this is gonna be a a run-based offense? Again, knowing no spring ball yet, it's way far out, but what's your best stab at that question? Anybody want to start off on this one? Uh, yeah. I have no – oh, hold on. Who who was it? You can go first, Jamal. Uh, you listen, listen. <laughs> I, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the receiver room right now is just it, – it's non-existent. Like, you, it, it, or, or close to – Jose Barbon's been a three-year contributor with it, it, some no, pretty big but, flashes. But, okay. after, after Barbon, though, my thing is who do I rely on each week? That's my thing. I feel mm-hmm. like to be safe – with the quarterbacks that you have, hand the ball off. Drayton's a running back guy. Clement, Hubbard, let them be the workhorse guys of the offense. Run the ball, stuff it down the other team's throat. Let that set up the play action. And when usually when a guy comes in and switches his defense to a 3-4, a run-stopping defense, his offense is going to be a clock-killing offense that's going to run the ball also. So I think based off of who Drayton is, and based off of the offensive depth chart, I think being a run first team is the best option. Dante, you're making some, I, I see some facial expressions. I, 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 I'm, I'm feeling some thoughts from you. I, yeah, Kyle looks like he has some thoughts too. That, yeah. yeah. I'm going to get on my, uh, my soap. Caden has some for thoughts a second. Too. I know everyone, everybody has thoughts. I know we want to, I know we want to wrap up the show. So I'll try to be quick. I think like this whole, like, when people talk about coaching schemes and talk about, Oh, it's going to be a run heavy scheme. It's going to be a pass heavy scheme. And like to the extremes, that is true, right? Like Navy is a run heavy football team. People who run the air raid are going to throw the ball around the yard, but like the majority of teams in college football 
are a relatively balanced attack right. at the end of the day. You have your outliers, you have your Western Kentuckys and your Washington States, you have your navies and you have your Georgias on the other side of that spectrum running the ball. But like Temple's going to come out there. They're going to change their game plan, relatively speaking, every week. So, you know, if they go up against a team like a Central Florida or an SMU that is going to play that, you know, kind of the similar defense that we saw from from Rod Carey staff last year, the 3-3-5, they're going to run the ball. They're going to try and attack them in between the tackles, right? Because that's where you want to attack that defense. If they come out against a team like Tulane, who plays like a little bit more of a traditional, you know, uh, four down front, you know what? Maybe you want to attack them on the perimeter. So you're going to throw the ball a little bit more. Like, I, I think that this conversation gets just a little bit overblown the majority of the time. Like, I think it's going to be very, very close to a relatively balanced scheme. And at the end of the day, running the football is not as efficient as throwing it. And, and like, I, I think that that is going to like, it's modern college football. Javon's a boomer. He's going to shake his head, but like, <laughs> it, it's just the way that it is. We can't deny it. It's the way that it is. Um, Stenson Bennett had to make some throws this year to win Georgia the championship. It's just the way that it is, man. So like, I, I think this conversation gets overblown. I think that they are going to, put those five guys in the running back room. They're going to go to spring ball. It's going to be a completely open battle and it's just going to be the best man wins. I, it, whether that's Sadie, cause he has the experience, whether it's Hubbard and Clement, cause they have the pedigree. I don't know. It's just going to be the best man wins. And I think that we shouldn't get too caught up in like the whole, isn't going to be a runner pass based scheme. It's going to be whatever the heck the opponent's doing and the ways that we think we can attack them because they're not Navy. They're not Georgia and they're not the air raid. They're, they're going to be somewhere much closer to the middle, at least in my opinion. Caden, I know you want to hop on this as well, too. Oh, sorry. Well, then we'll go to Kyle. Oh, good guy, Caden. Yeah, kind of going back you know, to Dante, it would be great to see if you know, they're on first scheme because you know they have Iverson coming back and now they got Hubbard coming in. But at the same time, like Javon mentioned, we mentioned the wide receivers like Jose Barbon, Amad Anderson Jr. They're relatively unproven, but the same goes for the running backs room you know, right. on this team. They don't have a lot of proven skill makers. And are we so certain they're going to be able to rely on a guy like Iverson Clement? I know he's a yep. good player in New Very Jersey, but we haven't seen him play college right. football yet. We Very haven't seen Hubbard play. Highly recruit, but, you know, high school is different than college football. And there's a reason these guys are coming to Temple. And, you know, it might work out. And they, they might, you know, It's just like, you know, they're getting all these players in the portal, and they're hoping one of these guys stick, and they become those guys. But And then Edward Sadie, and we've seen Edward Sadie over the last couple of years. He's been a fine player. He's been okay, but he's not a guy who's a necessarily a lecture, fine game changer at running back. So I'm not sure, you know, if they're going to be a run first scheme or a pass first scheme. It's probably going to be something they're not going to know even to, you know, to spring until they get out there and some guys stepping up but i was talking to ej warner about it you know and he was he's talking about you know the offensive scheme that he's been told i mean it sounds simple but they want to be balanced you know he talked about how they just want to run the ball they want to be physical and how they want to be temple tough but then when we mentioned the offensive line and the long slow rebuild that's going to be take how they're going to be able to run the ball how they're going to be able to protect whether it's dewan mathers or ej warner so I'm not sure if there's any real identity coming into the first season with Stanjay. It might be a little bit rough. Second part of that question, how did Hubbard end up on their wall, on the, their door? Well, A&M's got two pretty good backs in front of him as well. So, like, it's the SEC. A&M gets a lot of five-star kids, a lot of kids with some really good offers, um, to, the, to the point that Hubbard, who had Alabama, who had these offers, is kind of on the lower tier of the running backs of, of the A&M recruits. So, yeah, um, running backs are Josh Jacobs situations are few and far between where a guy waits and waits and waits and waits and then gets a handful of opportunities and goes to the NFL. For the most part, you have such a small window that you need to get on the field. Yeah, that's what would lead me to. I think Kyle really explained it well. That's what would lead me to think that maybe, you know, I mean, Stan's familiar with him. He recruited that state, obviously, where they might really have something there where maybe he just looked at had the depth chart and just because he's third or fourth on that depth chart doesn't mean he's a, a bad player uh, by any means. Uh, let's close things up real quickly with basketball. Again, we are recording uh, before Temple plays at ECU uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Javon, I'll toss this over to you real quick to, to close things out. I mean, that we saw Temple's four-game uh, win streak snap Saturday at SMU. Obviously, they didn't come away with the win. We saw some – still, I think we see a team that's, that's starting to turn the corner – what, what did you see from that game, the, the good, the bad, and then the, the in-between? 
Uh, all right, let's see what does Coach Vaughn think about that game. Number one, <laughs> still need a big man because Weathers, the way he was able to get yes. off, my good. I mean, now we know real, 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 real quick. They just got beat by a team without a big man. Wait, 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 wait. Weathers was playing. He a plays big man like role a big man. He's sure, yeah, that's sure, saying. but like, like he plays like a big man. And Temple yes, had actual big. He's man. also twenty five years. <laughs> yes, that too. That too. Um, but no, when they got a grown, they played against a grown man in the paint mm-hmm. and couldn't handle it. Like yeah. Jalil White, great defender, needs to be on the perimeter. Sage Tolbert, I, I I don't know what to make of him anymore. Nick Jordan, he's athletic and rangy, but you don't want him on a physical guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much difference Forrester would have made. Uh, Parks can't do much on the floor. I've said that. Opomo, I don't know what's up with his minutes. Uh, but other than that, Jeremiah Williams, give him credit for the way he's been defending recently. Yeah. I mean, the guy just – he's chasing guys around screen after screen. He's playing Reggie Miller every night, it looks like. I mean, he's just running baseline to baseline every night and still doing his thing on offense, not turning the ball over. Uh, Damian Dunn, shooting percentages have gone down in the past couple games, but he seems to hit the shots that the team needs him to make. So, you know, it's still same tempo, but – Goodness, do they need somebody down low? Very much like the Javon just referenced Reggie Miller, a player who stopped playing when he was approximately two years old. Yes. <laughs> oh, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Reggie retired in 05, I want to say. 05, so, yeah. Three years. <laughs> no, spring of 05, so yeah, two years. But also, <laughs> but also, the last thing I was going to say, you know, not to throw shade, but McKee, and that post-game presser saying no one cares about how young his team is, four freshmen and one sophomore against five seniors after a loss to SMU, sounded very different from a different coach in the conference after a loss to SMU. In now, fairness, McKee six weeks ago was like playing with babies out there. Like, and he blah, did. Blah, that's, blah. Like, that's why I'm not going too much yeah. into it. However, you know, for the people who want something juicy for the week, you want some tea to make it through the week, salivate over this. You're right. <laughs> and he, the penny experiment is going to fail. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's not going well there. I think Dante was smiling because he likes to call Javon a boomer and Javon mentions Reggie Miller. It's all everybody's smiling right now. Good stuff, it was, guys. It, that was a it was a good monologue, man. The tea, the tea thing really brought it home. I'm gonna have to steal that. I'm yanking <laughs> that one. That was a good one. Look, if Cincinnati and SMU ran elevator plays, I would have said Steph or Clay, but they don't. So, yeah. Uh, the people listening to this will obviously know the result by the time it gets out. But tonight's a gut check game for Temple basketball. You beat this team, on a, you need, but you need some last second heroics to win at home. You're better than ECU. They need to go and prove that they're better than ECU. Yes. Uh, great show, guys. Uh, big thanks to Dante, Kyle. Uh, Javon for jumping in the middle of this and, and, and Caden Steele joining us again. Check out uh, all the great content on the site. Uh, like I said, uh, plenty of stuff, plenty of recruiting uh, content there from Caden, from Dante. We'll have more, you know, more signing day stuff in the, in the coming days as we get a hold of some more of the guys that have signed. Again, we'll have more stuff for you next week as the basketball season wears on. Thanks to all of you. Sorry we couldn't get to all of your mailbag questions today, but we'll try to get to more of them next week. Thank you to all of you for listening and subscribing, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.